What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So I haven't really done an episode since Saturday, unfortunately. I've taken some time off. I've been busy the last few days. So I'm going to jump back in to talking about baseball and give an update on the Red Sox. I'll talk about the Dodgers and how they've been playing, the Yankees. I'll talk about the Tampa Bay Rays and then also give you guys an updated look at the playoff standings in the major leagues, the way things stand right now going into today. So the Red Sox right now, I'll start off with them. They are 63-57 and 57 overall, 6-4 and four in the last 10 games. Today they play a rubber match game against the Washington Nationals at 4.05. Washington's been a hard team to play against over the last 30 games since the All-Star break, 17-13, tied to the seventh best record in baseball in the last 30 games played. They've played a lot better as of late. The Sox lost game two of the series last night, 6-2. Pablo Reyes tied up the game in the eighth inning with a two-run home run. Things were looking up for the Red Sox, and then Garrett Whitley had an atrocious eighth inning where he went one inning, giving up three hits, four earned runs, two home runs, and a strikeout. Former Red Sox infielder Michael Chavis did hit a home run last night early in the game. He was one for four with that home run, his second of the year. Always going to root for a guy like him to do well. He brings energy to the game of baseball, and you can just tell how good of a person he is as well. Before every single game, somebody takes a picture with them and throws it on their story, and they tag him on Instagram, and he always reshares it. And there's a lot of videos of him talking to fans before games, after games, signing autographs, giving everybody around him a conversation. Through those videos and those interactions, you can just tell he's a really good guy. So I'll always root for a guy like Michael Chavis to do well. So I'm happy to see him hit a home run last night. As for the Nationals, as I said, they have been playing better baseball as of late, 17-13 in the last 30 games played, the seventh best record in the major leagues. They are tied for the seventh best record in the major leagues since the All-Star break. A lot of people would have looked at this series and said the Red Sox have to win three of three. I was definitely one of them. I wanted three of three in this series, but I said I'll take two of three. The Red Sox right now going into today, one and one in the series, just win today, take the series, and go on and go back to Boston. For the Red Sox, they're going up against Patrick Corbin today, who's 7-11 on the year with a 4.85 ERA and a 1.5 whip. He's coming off a start against Philly where he went five innings, allowing one run, which was unearned, gave up just one hit, did have seven walks in that game with two strikeouts. Over the last four years, Corbin has been one of the worst pitchers in the game of baseball. He got a monster contract after the 2018 season ended. They ended up winning the World Series in 2019, so they were obviously psyched winning the World Series, even though he's getting a heavy payday. It worked out for them. They did win the World Series in 2019. He got a six-year, $140 million deal. In his last four years, he's a 5.56 ERA in 97 starts with a 1.55 whip and a 2.47 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Doesn't really have great control. He was a great left-handed pitcher for them, though, when they won the World Series in 2019. But after that, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, he struggled every step of the way. For the Red Sox on the mound today, it'll be Chris Sale. So another lefty. It's a lefty-on-lefty matchup in today's game. Chris Sale on the mound. Looked like the Chris Sale of old again on Friday. His first appearance back in the Major League since he went down at the beginning of June. In the game on Friday, he went four and two-thirds innings on the mound, giving up just one hit, two earned runs, a home run, seven strikeouts, no walks, and 58 pitches. There was a quick hook for him in that game, just 58 pitches in four and two-thirds innings pitch. The Red Sox end up winning that game, though. So hopefully the Red Sox can get another good game out of him today. Where the Red Sox currently stand, they're three games back of Toronto for the last wildcard spot in the American League. They still have three more games against Toronto left on the season. Right now, Seattle is ahead of the Red Sox. They're just one game back of Toronto. But I think the Red Sox have the better team than Seattle. I still believe the Red Sox can make the playoffs, even though Fangraphs gives them about an 8% chance to make the playoffs right now. I would give the Red Sox more like a 30% chance to make the playoffs, even though it still is somewhat of a long shot since Toronto is three games ahead of them. The Red Sox still have three games left against Toronto on the year. If the Red Sox somehow could sweep that series against Toronto like Toronto did to the Red Sox just a week or so ago now, the Red Sox would be right back in position to make the playoffs. So I still believe this Red Sox team... 
And I haven't lost complete hope like many people have. I still believe that this team can make the playoffs. Obviously, with Trevor Story heating up as late, Chris Sale looking like the Chris Sale of old. Tan Houck looking very good in AAA. He's going to be back very soon. The Red Sox are starting to put things back together. Even though they still are three games back of Toronto, they still have a shot. And that's really all you want right now is a shot to make the playoffs where the Red Sox currently stand. Now I'm going to move on and talk about the hottest team in the game of baseball, and that is the Los Angeles Dodgers. 73-46 and 46 overall on the year. They've won 10 games in a row. They have 16-4 in the last 20 games played, which is the best in the major leagues over the last 20. And they have 22-8 and eight in the last 30 games played, which is the best in the major leagues over the last 30 as well. And just from listening to this podcast, everybody knows that's listened in at any point when I talk baseball. Everybody knows I respect the Dodgers, how good they are developing talent at the minor league level in their farm system, and then also at the major league level as well. They're never afraid to make a big trade or sign a big free agent, and they're not afraid as well to play their rookies and bring guys up at the right time. James Outman was struggling in the middle of the season. They kept him in the lineup, and James Outman has been raking as of late since the All-Star break. And they found ways to turn back time for a lot of players. And that's why I do say that the Dodgers formula has worked wonders because they've made players turn back time completely. Ryan Brazier is looking like one of the most effective relievers in the game of baseball since joining the Dodgers. And I'm just going to compare some stats here for a good amount of players here that have turned their season around with the Dodgers this year. We'll start off with Ryan Brazier, one of the best relievers in the game of baseball since going to LA. In 20 outings for the Red Sox this season, he had 17 earned runs allowed in 21 innings pitched with a 7.29 ERA in those 20 games for the Red Sox. In 23 outings for the Dodgers, just three earned runs in 23 and a third innings pitched with a 1.16 ERA. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Jason Hayward, nine home runs in 152 combined games between 2021 and 2022. In those two seasons, a 211 batting average with a 606 OPS. This year in 91 games with the Dodgers, 11 home runs. So two more home runs than he had in the previous two seasons combined with a 250 batting average and an 808 OPS. 200 more points on his OPS this year than he had in the last two years combined. Lance Lynn, he had a 6-9 record with a 6.47 ERA and 21 starts for the White Sox this season. Then gets traded to the Dodgers at the trade deadline. In three starts in LA, he is allowed just four earned runs and 18 innings pitched, 22 strikeouts to four walks with a 2 ERA and a 3-0 record. He looks like the Lance Lynn from two or three years ago now. He's back on track. Joe Kelly, another trade acquisition here for the Dodgers. 4.97 ERA in 31 outings for the Chicago White Sox this season. He had a 1-5 record in those 31 appearances for the White Sox. Gets traded to the Dodgers at the trade deadline in that trade with Lance Lynn. In four appearances for the Dodgers out of the bullpen, he's allowed just one hit, seven strikeouts, and three and two-thirds innings pitched with a 1-0 record in those four appearances. He's looked great. Ryan Yabro, 4-5 record with a 4.24 ERA for Kansas City this season. Gets traded to the Dodgers in three relief appearances for the Dodgers. Just two earned runs in 10 and one-third innings pitched with nine strikeouts, no walks, and a 1.74 ERA. Kike Hernandez, who the Dodgers acquired at the trade deadline as well, right before it, had a 2.22 batting average with the Red Sox this season in 86 games with a 5.99 OPS for the Sox. In 18 games for the Dodgers, he has a 300 batting average with an 805 OPS. J.D. Martinez, 16 home runs in 139 games last year for the Red Sox with a 790 OPS. He was regressing by the month last season. Right, as, right around the All-Star break, he started to get cold last season and didn't look like the same player. He started off the year very hot in the 2022 season for the Red Sox, was hot April, May, and June, and then got cold in the second half. But in 90 games this year for the Dodgers, 25 home runs, with an 865 OPS. 
He had 16 home runs last year for the Red Sox in 139 games. And now he has 25 home runs for the Dodgers in 90 games a season. So just about 50 less games almost, and he has nine more home runs. And I've made this point now countless times between my podcast and my radio show, but the Dodgers know how to get the most out of every one of their players. And I'm sure it's analytics. I'm sure they say, hey, you're throwing your fastball too much, go to your curveball. I'm sure they look at the way batters are swinging. Oh, you swing, you know, at pitches too much in the dirt. Wait for the fastball, get up in the count. Whatever it may be, the Dodgers find ways to get everything they can out of every single one of their players. And I just named seven players that are looking like players that are back in their prime. J.D. Martinez is still a top slugger in the major leagues right now because he went to the Dodgers and they figured something out with a swing and he's turned back time. Joe Kelly, I know it's only been four relief appearances for the Dodgers this year, but he's looked great since the Dodgers acquired him. Lance Lynn, I know it's only three starts, but has looked very good in those three starts for the Dodgers. Jason Hayward has looked a lot better this year with the Dodgers than he did in the previous two seasons in Chicago. Ryan Brazier didn't look good for the Red Sox this season, goes to the Dodgers just like Kiki Hernandez, and they're back on track doing things they weren't doing for the Boston Red Sox. So the Dodgers right now are 14-1 in the month of August, which is nuts. 14-1 record in the month of August. Their only loss came to San Diego on August 5th. And they're going for a sweep tonight of the Milwaukee Brewers on the mound for them. It'll be Lance Lynn, who I already mentioned, going up against Corbin Burns, who is 9-6 on the year with a 3.6 ERA and a 1.08 whip. A great test here for the Dodgers tonight to see if they can complete the sweep of Milwaukee and improve their record to 15-1 in the month of August. One player that stood out for them all year has been Mookie Betts. Another player, obviously, Freddie Freeman. Two of the best players in the game of baseball. Two of the top three candidates for MVP in the NL. Mookie Betts, 31 home runs on the year. 293 batting average with 973 OPS. Superstar talent. And then you got Freddie Freeman, who's hitting 337 on the year with 44 doubles, 23 home runs, 83 RBIs, and a 997 OPS. Also a 16 stolen base as well. He does have sneaky speed. But this Dodgers team is just loaded, and they're getting hot at the right time. 14-1 in the month of August, which is just ridiculous. I take this team right now to win the World Series. I mentioned it already in an episode last week. I had it being the Rangers versus the Dodgers, and I had the Dodgers over the Rangers. I'm going to stay with that take. So now I'm going to switch gears and talk about the New York Yankees. I just talked about the most red-hot team in the game of baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now I'm going to talk about a team that's on the end of the spectrum, the New York Yankees, who have lost five games in a row. They're 2-8 and eight in the last 10 games and a 60-61 overall in the season. This is actually the latest the Yankees have had a record under 500 in a season since September 5th, 1995. And during that time, according to ESPN Stats, saw it on Instagram today, Derek Jeter was recalled from the minors. There were nine Yankees players that are on the team right now that weren't even born yet. And the Yankees manager, Aaron Boone, was still in double A. September 5th, 1995. That was the last time the Yankees have been under 500 this late into a season. And the reason why I repeat that is because of how crazy of a stat that is. The Yankees have had some bad years. They had a couple seasons they were rebuilding in the middle of the 2010s. And even then, they were never under 500 this late into a season. So from 2013 to 2016, the Yankees made the playoffs just once. In 2015, losing in the AL Wild Card. And if you look at it, they were under 90 wins in all four of those seasons. So they're just about around 500, though. 85 and 77, 84 and 78, 87, 75, and 84 and 78. They were around 500 in all four of those seasons, but they were never under 500 this late into a season since 1995. And that's what's most crazy about that stat is that it took that long for them to be this late into a season to be under 500. Right now, the Yankees are on the verge of their first losing season since the 1992 season. 1992 is the last time the Yankees had a losing season, 
and they're on pace for that right now. They're a game under 500. Why are we currently speak? Fifth out of fifth place right now in the AL East. Dead last in the AL East, which would be their first time finishing last in the AL East since 1990. Since 1990 was the last time that they were dead last in the AL East to finish the season. Right now, they're on pace to do that. They do play the Red Sox in a three-game series this weekend. I'll probably preview that series tomorrow after the Red Sox play today against Washington. But the Yankees are going in cold as ice, losing five straight games. Hopefully, the Red Sox can find a way to win today against the Nationals and go in with a series win against Washington. But we'll see what happens there. But the Red Sox will be in the Bronx for a three-game series starting tomorrow night. That's obviously a big series there for the Sox. And the Red Sox lose two or three of that series. That's detrimental to the rest of the Red Sox season. They need to go in and take that series from the Yankees, a team that's been struggling as of late. And they only have five wins in the month of August, the Yankees. This is a team that had the second highest payroll in the game of baseball. And they're currently a game under 500 and a dead last in the AL East. A disaster of a season for the Yankees. But this is a team that I never really thought adding Aaron Judge to made the difference for this team. I know a lot of people thought, oh, once they get Aaron Judge back, They'll be able to make a run. I don't think adding Judge back would make that much of a difference because the Yankees had a lot more holes on offense than just Aaron Judge. This is a team that has a negative run differential in the season. There's a lot more holes in this Yankees team than just Aaron Judge. Does he help you line up? Definitely. Does he make that big of a difference, though, and makes you a playoff team when you add him this late in the season? No. And the Yankees just have really fallen off in the second half of the season. They were 49-42 at the All-Star break, and they are now 11-19 in the second half which is the fifth worst record in the major leagues since the All-Star break. 11-19 in the last 30 games played, and as I said, have lost five games in a row and a 2-8 and eight in the last 10. The Yankees should have sold at the trade deadline. I said it a million times before the trade deadline, this team should sell, but I got the feeling that they would choose not to do so because if the Yankees are selling at the trade deadline, it doesn't send the right message to the fans, even though it's probably the smart thing for them to do, especially now when you look back. They definitely should have sold. They chose not to do so. Now, as I said, they're paying the price, unfortunately. 11-19 in the second half of the season. Fifth worst record in the major leagues since the All-Star break. Another team that's fallen off is the Tampa Bay Rays. And it's hard to even know where to start with this Rays team. Whether it's Shane McClanahan going down with an injury, Manny Margot's injury, the Rays being 15-15 in the last 30 games, or the whole Juan DeFranco situation. It's been an unpleasant ride for the Rays over the last month or so. And we'll start off with Shane McClanahan. Just underwent Tommy John surgery. He's going to miss the 2024 season and the rest of this season as well. He was 11-2 on the year with a 3.29 ERA. Made 21 starts this season for the Rays. And it was great the last couple of seasons. He's been one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball since starting for the Rays two years ago. This was his third season. And so he's obviously a big loss, not only this season, but next. Jeffrey Springs, a left-handed pitcher for the Rays, who looked really good in the month of April. One earned run at 16 innings of work and three starts at the start of this season. He had a 2.46 ERA in 2022. He got Tommy John surgery in April. So they've had no luck with injuries. To make matters worse, Manny Margot just underwent surgery to get rid of bone chips in his elbow. He's going to be out for a while as well. And then you can look at their record over the last 30 games. They're 15-15 and 15 over the last 30 games since the All-Star break. They've been average in the last 30 games played. And if you look at their fall-off, they were six and a half games up on the Baltimore Orioles on July 1st. Then they went on a seven-game losing streak, and they've been stuck in second place in the AL East since July 22nd. They're two games back of the Orioles right now, who I said of the All-Star break would end up winning the division. I said Baltimore was going to win this division. I thought they were the better team, and they also had more momentum going into the All-Star break. I said Baltimore was the better team. I think they'll win the division. But nobody saw Tampa Bay falling off this much. From McClanahan's injury to Margot's injury to the whole Wanda Franco situation, I don't think anybody saw this happening. And the Wanda Franco situation is still a lot unknown there, but he allegedly was in a relationship with a minor, and there is a chance 
that he never plays another game in the major leagues again. And this is according to a report here from Hector Gomez of ESPN, who said in a tweet today that a person very close to the investigations into the case of Wanda Franco said it will be very unlikely that Wanda Franco will play in MLB again, judging by the results of the investigations that are currently being carried out, which directly commit him to the accusations against him. So I'm not really too sure of what's going to happen in that Wanda Franco situation. I can't really make any accusations here. As I said, I don't really know enough to really make too much of a stance on the situation, but obviously an unpleasant situation. We'll see how things play out there. But for the Rays, this is obviously the worst of the worst for them. From the injury to Shane McClanahan to how they performed in the second half to now Wanda Franco potentially being done in the major leagues. I don't think anybody saw them falling off this hard especially considering how well they started off the season, even though I didn't really believe in them as much as most people did when they started the year because I thought they were playing against kind of weak opponents to start the season. And then they obviously fell off. Baltimore really caught up with them, and now Baltimore is still two games up on them, even with Baltimore being just 3-5 and five over the last eight games played. They still are up two games on Timba Bay. Baltimore has struggled over the last week or so, but there still is a lot of time for them to get back on track. It's really not too much of a bump in the road. Just 3-5 and five over the last eight games played, but this team has the talent as I said a month ago now at the All-Star break, I thought this team could make a run in the American League. They have the talent. They obviously now have better pitching as well since the trade deadline getting Jack Flaherty. That was a good acquisition. They have a ton of young talent, and they're going to add even more over the next year with prospects and then also free agent signings. Once they decide to open up the checkbook and start sending out big contracts, they're going to be even more of a powerhouse in the American League. So now to close out the episode, I'm going to talk about the way things stand right now in the NL wildcard race. It's a really close one right now. There are three teams tied for the last NL wildcard spot, the Chicago Cubs, Miami Marlins, and Cincinnati Reds. The way things stand right now, I'm going to go with the Chicago Cubs taking that final wildcard spot. Right now, the Phillies and the Giants have the first two spots. The Giants are an iffy team, though. They're 3-7 and seven in the last 10 games played. They've been cold as of late. They're still up a game and a half, though, on Chicago. The way things stand right now, I think... The Cubs get in. I think San Francisco still can get into the playoffs as well. The Phillies, they're 6-4 in the last 10 games, 66-55 overall. I think this team will make the playoffs. So it's really between the Giants, Cubs, Marlins, Reds, and Diamondbacks for the last teams in the NL, taking two of the last wildcard spots. The way things stand right now, I'm going to roll with San Francisco making it in, and I'm going to stay with the Cubs as well. The Cubs, 6-4 in the last 10 games played. The Reds are cold as of late, 4-6 and six in the last 10. Miami Marlins, 5-5 five five in the last 10. They've been very cold since the All-Star break. They've excelled all year long. In one-run ball games, they had 27 and 11 overall in the season in one-run ball games, which is the best in the major leagues. And I don't think that luck is going to last all year long, especially if you look at the way they've played over the last 20 games, 9 and 11 in the last 20 games. And then over the last 30, they are tied for the third worst record in the major leagues at 10 and 20, with the Chicago White Sox being that team they're tied with. And then the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Oakland Athletics, only two teams in the major leagues with the worst record over the last 30 games played than the Miami Marlins. So I think Miami... I think they've been too cold as of late. And then the one-run ball games have really gone their way all season. I think their luck is going to run out. As for the Cincinnati Reds, I think they're still a year away. They're 4-6 in the last 10 games, really struggling in the month of August. Just 4-10 and 10 in the month of August. Then if you look at their stretches over the last 20 and 30 games played, they've been one of the coldest teams in the game of baseball. Over the last 30 games, they had 13 and 17, and then 8-12 and 12 in the last 20. And as I mentioned, 4-6 and six in the last 10. So that's why I like... The Chicago Cubs to make it in. They've been very hot as of late. The Cubs, 20-10 and 10 in the last 30 games played, which is tied to the second-best record in the major leagues with the Seattle Mariners. 
So I'm going to stay with the Chicago Cubs making it into the playoffs. The San Francisco Giants are still on the board. They're still a game and a half up, though, on those three teams tied. They have 14 and 16 over the last 30, 10 and 10 in the last 20. The Giants have an average as of late, but there still is a lot of time for them to get back on track. They just really haven't had the offense all season, but the pitching has been there for them, and that's why I'm going to roll with the Giants making it into the playoffs with the Phillies and the Chicago Cubs. Those are my three NL wildcard teams. Anyways, that'll conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.